everybody. Welcome to City Girls Pod. And this is the show where we're breaking down sex in the city. Season one, episodes one and two today. And I'm Booker to Grace Ragnar and Jax is here. Rachel, I missed you in our brief hiatus, but now we get to dive into the OG, the original. I am so excited because let's be honest. And just like that was kind of rough going. And so now we get back to the beginning of our girls being our girls and not this weird version (laughs) (laughs) we can pretend like and just like that was some kind of alternate reality like a fanfic uh che diaz fanfic (laughs) (laughs) i think that's the way to go it truly did feel it did feel like that it, it did feel like it was very specifically Che Diaz fanfic um it's like a lot of people do that with the movies that they'll put it in different universe but I haven't I haven't quite heard it put like that about and just like that but I think your critique is spot on yes <laughs> so did you have a good couple of weeks nice little break Yes, but I was very excited to go back to the beginning because I feel like I've seen all the episodes of Sex and the City, but I've never watched them all the way through. And to be honest with you, I am not 100% confident that I actually have gotten them all. We'll find out now as we watch all the way through together. What about you? I definitely haven't because I watched them more on out more on TBS or TNT was how I kind of watched them, which is more a selection of, cause I didn't have HBO for a long time. And so uh, I haven't, I have definitely have not watched every episode. So that's going to be fun to go back. And, uh, and I, I haven't watched the pilot for so long. So that was really interesting. Cause it's, it does feel quite different than kind of certainly than it. And just like that. Yeah, and I think the cool thing about the pilot that is even different from the rest of the series, and you know, we see this with lots of pilots, is what they're trying out. Like they're experimenting with that, the breaking the fourth wall that takes to the audience, which I'm kind of glad they got out of, but actually I think it kind of worked in the pilot. I agree. I, I felt like it was more sort of it was more getting the feel of sort of the commentary of Carrie Bratch and her column. And obviously you have that throughout, but, but I don't know, it was just more present in this pilot uh, than it is in uh, future episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then in the second one about the model Zillas and just uh, a lot of times the narration is kind of used at the end in the beginning Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas here it was, it was a real little like photo essay. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think it's very interesting too, that it at least sets up what Carrie does for a living in a, mm-hmm. in a very concrete way that we see how much of her life is immersed in this, even in the conversation she has with big, where it's like, oh, I am out for work. Like her work is living in the city, having experiences and writing about them. Yeah. Uh, so we do always say that this is a mature recap because it's a mature show. And so if that's not for you, then we have plenty of other content that you can listen to. So please check all that out. Uh, 
But let's, the summary for this pilot is Carrie writes a column called Sex in the City. She introduces us to her best friends. Charlotte York is an art dealer who firmly believes in love and marriage. Samantha Jones, the owner of a PR firm, believes in having sex like a man with no commitment or complications. Randa Hobbs, a lawyer, thinks that women should stop obsessing with men because they can be everything men can be and sometimes better. Carrie is introduced to Mr. Big, the next Donald Trump, and but younger, we'll talk about that, by Samantha, who unsuccessfully hits on him. So first of all, I should ask, how do you feel as you, as you are currently uh, single, you're engaged, um, so you're in New York City, a woman in New York City, you experience the dating scene, uh, you know, this is now decade, uh, decades later, how do you feel it's changed or is it not changed that much? Well, that's a good question. I, hmm. I think what's interesting about this is that I am in a different, um, not only income bracket than these women, but social circle. Right. So they're dating these, you know, extremely affluent um, guys, but not only that, like there's this sort of attitude that comes with that. And I was dating a lot of like comedians who are just as broke as I was. But I think that's something that I don't actually relate to that I think is more of a stereotype is that the way men use women for sex and then don't even want them to sleep over and don't want to talk to them and all these things. I mean, I just feel like that's sad. I'm not saying there's not a level of people. I found when I was dating that there were a lot of people who we would lose touch or we tried to make a date and it wouldn't work out because of busy schedules, but I never found that people were so rude and so that user mentality. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that I can't relate to. <laughs> I mean, that's never just been dating for me. I mean, not that I date very much, but uh, the whole kind of clubbing scene. I just, even if I wasn't, uh, or, you know, race Latter-day Saint, like I, I, I can't imagine that that would be very appealing or interesting to me. Uh, so, <laughs> but it does feel very 98, 1998-ish, you know, in that camp, that's when I graduated from high school. So, you know, we're going back for me and, uh, it, it feels of that moment. And, you know, this is before 9-11, before a lot of the things that kind of changed not only New York, but just changed all of us. Yeah, that's a really great point too. And about how this series, and I know we'll get to that episode, but how it, you know, sort of changed a little bit after 9-11. Um, but yeah, I didn't go clubbing much, but there is one time when I took my sister and my two cousins who were visiting the city and we tried to get into a club and when we got to the, to the bouncer he looked at us and we were 
they were wearing like these really pretty sundresses and I was wearing these like leather pants and we were all like sweating profusely and he looked at the four of us and I did not look good in these leather pants like they were just not the look for me and he looked at the four of us and he just went no (laughs) because like none of us looked right for the club like they all looked so pretty but again sundresses not really dressed for the club and then I looked like someone who was new enough to like dress a certain way but didn't quite fit in and he was like this is not this is just (laughs) going to be an eyesore at the club so that was my experience with chaos um it traumatized you (laughs) yep exactly yeah never never gonna go back never tried again (laughs) Yeah, no, no. Yeah, so the start of this episode, uh, the sort of the essay theme is about, like you were saying, these men who who just want to have a fling and then move on to the next girl. And it, she's, she's telling the story of Elizabeth, the English journalist who hooks up with Tim, the investment banker. And she thinks things are going really well. And uh, she thinks that they're going to be buying uh, an apartment together. And he says that she's going to meet his parents and then never calls her again. You know what I thought was interesting about this to Rachel? And I was wondering if you clocked this. I do feel like men in New York, especially if they work in finance, and I mean, like my fiance does too, so no knocks on guys who work on finance, but, or we can knock on them all we want because I do, but (laughs) I do feel like um, they may get married later or date a lot, but this guy was not old, but he's like 42. I feel like at that stage, usually, or at least what I've seen from men that age, they are looking to maybe date a little bit more seriously or maybe get married. That's not to say they're saints or that they don't cheat on their wives, but like, I'm surprised that this guy fully ghosted her after nothing went wrong and they weren't even that serious yet like he was the one making it more serious now there are i think i've heard there are more single women in new york city than single men i mean most places there's more but like way more in new york city Mm -hmm. and uh, the the interesting thing is you compare this to you've got mail which came out the same year as sex and city started and the version of love in new york in you've got mail is so different than love in new york in sex and the city i didn't realize it was the same year yeah both 1998 yeah and you think about uh can you imagine kathleen kelly in the upper west side <laughs> she's like that on a computer <laughs> yeah she's like hanging out at grace papaya and going to <laughs> she's not going to, to some club <laughs> Stop around the corner, not chaos. This is not, yeah, not chaos. No, we'd probably be hanging out with Kathleen Kelly, Mm -hmm. like you and I would be. And she calls it the mid 30s power flip. So that, uh, that there's all these women that are in their mid 30s that are looking for love that aren't wanting to do this, you know, sort of 
this clubbing kind of experience, a one night stands kind of thing. And, but there's so many more men and that's what creates, uh, they want to, they want that. And it creates the, the kind of the power flip. Um, I did have a discussion with someone who I, I met dating in New York. We went on a few dates now we're just good friends. And we, now we have a bunch of the same friends. He's actually dated a couple of my friends since then. And we were in a group of people it's a few months ago at this point. And he started talking about that. And he's in his early 40s. And he was like, yeah, you know, it, it, it's different. It's like now I'm coming into the best time of my life. And like, it's different for women. I was like, is it? Are you coming to the best time of your life? Like, it, so it made me laugh that he was saying all that stuff. I'm like, is this just like what you've heard? on sex in the city or do you really believe this yeah he says he's gonna say why are there so many great unmarried women and not great unmarried men <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can feel that way even in 2022 i'll tell you that it can feel that way you're looking through the tinder or whatever and you're like <sighs> but then they ask the question are women being too picky because you have the whole skipper plot with him being a nice guy and Miranda, you know, not taking him seriously. What are you, okay, question for you. Are you, what are you attracted to? Like, would you be attracted to a skipper type? Um, I think I could be if the, if they, in the right set of circumstances, uh, like with the right smile and I don't know, just the right personality. I think I could be, uh, and I guess I don't, I don't feel like I'm that picky, but there's certain things, especially with Tinder that I just hate. Like I hate it when they have their profile picture, them working out. No, nope, I'm not interested. <laughs> things like that, you know, like, I don't care about your boating trip that you took or whatever, like showing up like, <laughs> like that. Workout picks are always very unrelatable uh, just because it's not that I think it's not good to work out. It's just that anyone who would choose that as a means of showcasing themselves, I, I'm probably not going to yeah. have a ton in common with you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And they, I mean, I, maybe I make the assumption, oh, they're not going to be interested in me. And that's my self-confidence showing as well, but it's just not very, very attractive to me. And that's interesting. We make our, that's very true. We make our own assumptions. Like you're talking about the boat thing. I'd be like, oh, I won't be fancy enough for this person. Or I won't be this for this person. So that's interesting that we weed ourselves out of things. (laughs) That's right. Um, and then she has, Carrie has lunch with Stanford and that was very like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was sweet. I'm like, oh, I forgot that he was there from the very beginning and in the first episode. That yeah. Made me happy. And, and it, it was a really sweet moment in showing how their friendship had such longevity because I also mm-hmm. forgot, you know? Yeah. So she sees... Uh, one of her exes, Kurt Harrington, at uh, lunch with Stanford. Stanford's like, I'm not going through that a fourth time. 
<laughs> this is her third time. She says that he's a creep, but the best sex I ever had. So she decides she's going to test the waters and see if she can one and done it uh, with with <laughs> Kurt. And it's funny because Kurt didn't really even look that attractive to me from a you know 2022 standpoint. I'm like, uh, <laughs> you're like I'm, looking at this through the 2022 lens. He's got a very late nineties look. Yeah. Yeah. You're like dead. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was maybe it was like the frosted tips or the attitude. I am not at all attracted to that type at all. Barf. <laughs> He reminded me of, um, I can't think of his name, but the guy on a alias and never been kissed. Oh, Michael Vartan. Yeah. He looked kind of a little bit like him to me, but okay. Yes. Except like a very, very poor person's version yeah. of Michael Vartan. Like it's like, <laughs> right. it's like, that guy's the regular person. And then Michael Vartan would be the one that plays him in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Down on this guy. I'm sure he's actually a very attractive guy, but I, he plays such a sleaze in this that it was hard to find him attractive. Yeah. And I, I think maybe we're not as uh, into that kind of bad boy anymore. You know, that that's kind of run his course a little bit. Wow. He looks really different now. It's kind of funny, but he, I would say more attractive now. Oh, I was just good. looking on IMDb. Bill Sage is his name. Bill Sage. <laughs> I'm going to look at you because I'm extremely curious. (laughs) Bill Sage. Yeah. Bill Sage is Kurt Harrington. (laughs) I feel really bad that we, oh, actually. Yeah. Right. He looks better. All right. He's 59 and he's 5'11 and okay. He's actually, all right. Yeah. I take it back. Oh my gosh. And he's really, okay. All right. He's like a silver fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have almost played the uh, the uh, the teacher in and just like that, you know, yes. teacher Ralph or yes. Rob or whatever his name was. That would have been a cool Easter egg nugget <laughs> in there thing. He could. I mean, he's yeah, he's hot. Yeah. He's hot now. All right. So Skip, Skipper is a sensitive, nice guy, and <laughs> so. Carrie sets him up with Miranda, which is not a good match, I don't think, but he does kiss her. And he's very into her. Yeah. Why don't you think she set him up with Charlotte? Because he's not like rich in high society enough? Because that would seem like more of a match to me. Yeah, I kind of thought that too. But uh, yeah, she sets him up with, I mean, with Miranda. Uh, um, so she ends up have trying to do this one and done to have sex like a man with Kurt. She goes out of his apartment and she, uh, she meet cute runs into big (laughs) and she empties all her purse. She falls, you know, the classic fall on each other, meet cute kind of thing. And he's charming as always. And uh, he helps her up and everything helps her get her stuff back in and notices she has all, <laughs> she has a very full purse. 
Uh, she likes safe sex and good for her. So they describe Big as the next Donald Trump, except younger and better looking, which can you imagine back then if somebody had said this is going to be one of the presidents of the United States? And you know, he's in this series, right? Yes. <laughs> so it is, it's, it's uh, okay. Uh, uh, wait, sorry. Let me take a deep breath. So much has happened since then, as we know that we do not have time or interest in getting into, but yes to that. Also, the fact that now that Chris, um, I never say his last name right, Rachel. Chris, no, 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 no. It's, uh, let's see. I feel like I always Chris Noth, I think, Noth, I think, or something like that. N-O-T-H. That sounds right. Chris Noth, now that we know he's also had some sex scandals come up, hearing that just was like, whoa, far too much has happened. This has aged in the strangest way. (laughs) Um, In every level, this is bizarre. If we had a time machine and we would have seen what had happened now, we'd be like, what's going on? But I will say that the meet cute really made my heart flutter. And it was great that he actually was in the pilot because both in the first episode and in the second episode, it made me see why Big was actually Endgame. Yeah, you can definitely see it. And I mean, he's a little, he's eight years younger than Donald Trump. So I guess that's, that's pretty significant, but like, uh, (laughs) I didn't know what his, what the breakdown was. Yeah. He's, uh, Chris Noth is 67. Donald Trump is 75. So (laughs) yeah, you knew no one would have ever guessed that it would age that weirdly. (laughs) Um, so Charlotte, she, uh, she goes on the date. It goes well. Um, and she decides not to continue and make a night of it. Um, and basically the guy that she's with says, I really, I respect, I respect you, but I need to have sex tonight, which is super sleazy. And, (laughs) uh, I mean, I would never go out with somebody that ever again, they said something like that, of course. Okay. So here's where I really did call like BS on it. I do not think that there is, and I know it's for comedy, but I don't think there's any way that a guy, no matter how sleazy he was, would do that just to stave on the cab fare. It was like, what was the point of that? Do I think that there are plenty of guys in New York and other places who would want to date a Charlotte type. And then when she goes home, it's like, I got to go out and have sex. Yeah, totally. I think that's plausible, but there's no way that he would just get in the same cab with her and be like, I yeah. got to have sex tonight. Like, come on. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's true. That with, they still could have showed him having sex with Samantha and going out to chaos without him telling Charlotte what his intentions were. I just thought that was yeah. so bizarre. Yeah, I agree. And so he ends up 
running into Samantha at the club. They end up making a night of it. And, uh, and she tries to seduce big, but he turns her down. Um, and I think that in these early seasons, Samantha had a little bit more of a character. There was at least more motivation behind her promiscuity for lack of a better word, uh, that you know, she was in her mind, a, an empowered woman who, uh, who wanted to kind of be treated like a man. Mm-hmm. And, and then I feel like, especially by the second movie, it's like the only thing about her character is that she's a cougar and you know, that's it. And they just have, they, and maybe part of it's just because they didn't get along. I don't know, but, uh, they really turned her into a, they like, it was like the sexual flanderization of Samantha by the end of the show. Yeah, definitely. And I found myself watching it now through the lens of that we all know that there's a rift between them yeah and wondering what it was like when they shot the pilot and thinking okay were they all like just trying to become friends were things weird yet um yeah and it it's and it's so interesting to watch all of this knowing what we do now because it's so much more than just a show it's a cultural phenomenon yeah so then skipper then kisses miranda and then carrie can't find a taxi which is gotten much better in new york now that you could just call an uber truly because it's so hard to hail i i don't think i've ever successfully hailed a taxi it's really hard it's really hard yeah yeah I like I I got good practice when I was babysitting and nannying because like then it was like that's when I tried to practice it but it's it's just hard like and then you feel silly yelling but sometimes you have to it's a whole thing yeah so then big uh gives her a ride and uh they're talking and he says I get it you've never been in love and that was cute and just sort of established him as being really charming throughout the show and it worked it yeah. worked for me yeah. it worked for the fact that he turns samantha down that he gives her this ride home that they keep running into each other it, yeah it really it really worked and he was giving me all the little feels i was like oh and then when he says the apps of Ethan Lutley about him being in love before. Um, I thought, yeah, he's he's had a life and he knows what it's like to actually care deeply for a person. I don't know that we find that out later though. Like that's kind of what's interesting that I'm like, how well do they follow through on that? But I think in the first go we have here, it makes me really get all tingly for big. So there wasn't that much fashion in this first episode. It's kind of surprising because it became so iconic for the fashion, but there is the opening credits with Carrie with the kind of tutu-esque <laughs> white skirt with the uh, pink uh, tank uh, top and a belt uh, and her hair half, half uh, up uh, with all the curls. Uh, what do you think of this look? 
I mean, it's so iconic and I love it so much. I like, I, I just think that you see that look, you know, it's sex in the city. I think it's whimsical. It's fun. She looks great. And then what I will say, the lack of fashion in this episode is made up for the fact that we have Sarah Jessica Parker's like amazing curly hair, just, you know, I love her hair. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. good. What do, what do you think about the look? Yeah, I think it's fun, whimsical. It has a, a, an appeal to it. So I, yeah, I agree. All right. Well, well what would you give this episode well, one to 10? Oh, okay. One to 10. I would actually give this an 8.7. I think it's a really, I think pilots are really hard. Um, and I think as far as establishing what this show is and giving us room for it to grow. I, I, I think it's really, really solid. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty solid to get to know each of our four main girls it has something to say about relationships. So I'd probably give it like a 7.5. Yeah. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode. And that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies Podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell. Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash Hallmarkies. So our next episode is called Models and Mortals. Carrie meets up with an artist friend who tapes himself having sex with models. This news makes Samantha eager to go on a date with him and insists that he tapes her too. Carrie bumps into Mr. Big again and tells him about modelizers, only to realize that he has a model clinging to his arms that evening. (laughs) (laughs) So overall, what'd you think of this episode? Yeah, I do want to say that the guy who tapes the models, well, that's really creepy and illegal if they don't know about it. Um, Normally I would hate a character who's a slime bucket like this, but he's so hot and charming. I was wildly attracted to him. And I love the way he talked to Carrie. I don't know. I just thought he was incredibly disarming. I, I just loved him in this. Um, yeah, he was, he is very charming. Gabriel mocked, I guess he was on Suits. Oh my God. He's the guy from Suits? I didn't realize it until you said his name. And then I was like, that's probably why I like him because I liked him on suits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I say charming, he has a charisma screen presence. Obviously his behavior isn't charming, but, uh, but yeah, there's something there. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting to watch sex in the city back and see all these people that had like co-stars or guest stars who then went on to be series regulars in their own TV shows. And you can see that magic. Like you're like, that actor is super talented. I want to watch him or her more. And I definitely felt that way about him in this. Yeah. 
Um, well, so Miranda, Miranda goes on this date and uh, it's kind of Nick Westland. And the first time she thinks, oh, this is such a great date. Uh, and they have this conversation about who would you want to, uh, who would you want to be with uh, of old Hollywood? And they say their answers and everything. Like, it's such a fun conversation. But then she goes on the date again and again, and they have the same conversation over and over again, two, three times. And the thing about it is, I think you'd at least come up with different stars each time. <laughs> I know everyone's just like, all right, <laughs> let's just do this again. Because like Nick is a modelizer, which I don't know how Nick is a modelizer. Like I get that he's rich, but he's not funny. He's not charismatic. I'm like what models are really dating you, Nick? Well, I think the idea, at least behind the first episode, is that you have all of these, like you have way too many women in their thirties, uh, whether it's models or non-models that like a sort of a six out of 10 can get a nine out of 10 woman because there's so few. <laughs> I think that's the idea. I mean, it's kind of like uh, in um, Love Hard when, when he goes over and he's like, they're like, he's a He's a, oh, maybe a single all the way, actually. Or just like, he's a, he's a nine out of 10 in Wisconsin. <laughs> and it's yeah. sad, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think of it that way, but you're correct in saying that, yeah, that, that makes sense that Nick is probably a six out of 10, so he can score a nine out of 10 even with the same boring conversations and like why he's more with Miranda, I'm not sure. Uh, but, uh, she's somebody who needs some good conversation. And you know, they ask the question, do you have to be a supermodel to get a date in New York? <laughs> uh, sometimes it feels like you have to be a supermodel to get a date anywhere. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, what's interesting too. I've actually, had conversations with my single guy friends who feel they feel like it's also really difficult to date too and their perspective is like oh it's so easy for women to get a date but I can't get a date and I'm like I think it's hard for everyone to get dates I think it's just hard out there yeah well I mean that's what they kind of bring the skipper plotline in that uh that he's like a normal guy and uh, so he can be friend zoned easily is the kind of the, what they're saying. And, uh, but then he says in the uh, bodega place, he says, uh, I think you're luminous. <laughs> Miranda, she's like, I've got cereal. <laughs> Wouldn't even let him get his darn cereal. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then you have uh, the uh, you find out that you have Barkley and he is a modelizer and artist and uh, he tapes his conquests uh, and it, he doesn't seem to distribute them it's just for his own pleasure it seems like <laughs> right um, yeah thank goodness they're not like on the internet or he's yeah I mean, again this was a different 
time that it doesn't actually seem as aggressive and nasty as it would now because like you said it's more for his own collection yeah I mean we had a we had internet pretty early but I know a lot of times people would have to go in the when you're talking about in the 90s all the way into the mid 2000s people would have to go to a library or computer lab or something like that I mean I didn't have my own computer I don't think in college maybe I did at the end of college but I had to go to the computer lab. And now, I mean, that would be unheard of. Um, yeah, I was a computer labber too. And then when I went back to visit my college, I would always like stay up late in Dag Lab. And then I was like, oh, I want to go back to Dag Lab. And they're like, that's closed down. It's like, I'm sorry. That was an iconic <laughs> part about my college. Rachel, you and yeah. I would have been hanging out. The I know, I think we would have. I think we would have. <laughs> oh. And uh, then we find out that Stanford loves a fashion show, as does Samantha. Um, that uh, his Stanford, his big client is a underwear model, and he's very excited about that. Derek, what do you think of Derek? So Derek actually really reminds me of someone that I went on two dates with, who is a model. His name's Nick, Nick uh-huh. O'Gall. I think he might still be a model. I ran, I went on a few dates with him in college, ran into him because he's working at a gym in New York. And like, he totally ignored me because I think he was like, this is so embarrassing. We had a very tame relationship, like barely kissed, but he was so gorgeous and just like very simple. And, um, respectful, sweet, almost childlike. And that's what I thought was interesting about um, this character is Mm -hmm. that beyond gorgeous uh, and seems really kind-hearted, but just like wants a wonderful, lovely life after he does the modeling thing. And that's, I think, when Carrie sees that there's just such a drastic difference at where they are in their lives. What did you think of them? Yeah, I thought he was very a sweet, innocent kind of guy. I mean, and I appreciated that they just kind of had their sleepover and didn't. Uh, <laughs> that was that was very respectful of Carrie. It was. I think she she just knew, like, and then she she knew we just didn't want to be alone, and that it would have been her using him for sex. Right. right. And I like that she respected that because he just is essentially this kid in a big city who didn't want to be alone at night. Yeah, exactly. It was cute. It was good. Uh, And so Samantha says she thinks that proximity to beauty makes her more attractive. So that's why she loves the fashion shows. So that shows a a a confidence in her. Yeah. They all, I mean, and she looks incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Barkley only tapes the models, but decides to make an exception for Samantha. I love that she asked for it. She yeah. was like, oh, I'm cool. Then he's like, okay. Yeah. And she's like arranging everything. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Big says, after a while, you just want to be with the one that makes you laugh. Know what I mean? <laughs> that was very sweet again big being charming like 
I, I got the tangles again because this man, we assume because of his power and influence and good looks and money that he's had his fair share of dates and experiences in New York, but he knows that what is important is someone that you can connect to. Yeah. And he, t- he says that her column is cute, <laughs> which is cute too. <laughs> yeah. I was that's like, kind of, it's like 1998's version of Googling. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. So yeah, what would you give this episode? One to 10. So this one made me angry, but like in a fun way. And I thought it really started finding and hitting the stride of where we're going with the, with the show. So I would give this one a nine. Yeah. We also forgot about Charlotte with the thighs, thighs, thighs. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And that just made me so well, and this is where it starts to get problematic too, because you're like, and they note this too, that it's four beautiful women, conventionally beautiful women, yeah. sitting around talking about how they feel inadequate. Well, I shouldn't say that. Samantha doesn't say she feels inadequate. But yeah, it's like, bless Charlotte. It's like, girl, you're, you're good. But isn't that the truth though, that you have the most stunningly beautiful woman and you talk to them, they're like, oh, I've got stretch marks or I've got, uh, you know, fat arms or something like, and you're just like, please, <laughs> my violin isn't small enough for you, but it's true. And I think it's even funny too, that not only do you see that with, you know, we, we see it with like other women, but I think about I'll look at a photo of like myself and remember how yeah. I didn't feel confident True. then. You're like, I was, I was killing it. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I'm sure you've had that too, where yeah. you're like, oh, I remember feeling weird at this event or this thing or in college, or I felt so insecure. And it's like, I sometimes I look and it's a really dorky outfit, but I was like, you were cute. Like it was fine. Don't worry about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's true. And we all have those insecurities, even if uh, everybody else think, oh, you have nothing to worry about. No, we all, we all do it. We all get there. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that t-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. I mean, I give it's a pretty strong, at least an eight, if not nine, a strong episode. I thought it was, it was good. So let us know if you're listening, what you think of these episodes. You think it was a good uh, start for the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, 
please, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. We appreciate that so much. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that. And Jax, where can people find you? Um, on Twitter, Jacqueline C. Tweets. And on Instagram, Jacqueline Collier. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So check that out. And uh, make sure that you're following us on social media, Homework is Pod and Homework is Podcast and it's City Girls Pod. We would really appreciate that. We also have the patron group and merch store. So please check, take a look at that. And uh, thanks everybody. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye everyone. Bye.